0: is Clayton House Entertainment X. For part two with Victoria Weinberg, we discuss Sinking Ink, producing it, discoveries from it, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Victoria Weinberg. I want to talk about Sinking Ink. Congratulations. Very exciting week. Uh, culmination oh my of God. to these presentations that happened at the Apollo Theater. Um, so, before we discuss it, I guess let's talk about how you joined the project. How did it first come across your desk or your iPhone?
1: It actually didn't come across either. It, um and I feel like thinking it existed and I and 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 invited me and sort of invited me to it. Um I was invited by um an agent friend of mine who said one of my clients keeps seeing the show over and over again. It was down at the Flea. Mm-hmm. Um it was November of 2017 and he said Do you want to go see it with me and I said sure. And I never walked into a room and knew that some I knew that I genuinely didn't know what was about to happen not in like a scared way but like I genuinely didn't know what it was that I was walking into mm. and it still to this day would be the only probably one of the only theatrical experiences or events where I didn't know I didn't know what it was that I was about to see but it wasn't like a unwelcoming feeling it was a I'm gonna I'm gonna learn something here. I'm going to experience something. It's not going to be necessarily. It wasn't a sit down, shut up, and and experiences on your own sort of you know thing. It was not a spectator sport. It was everyone was in the round. Everyone was engaged, and it was the first time that I think I saw what I now recognize to be true hip hop theater. Mm. Um, and I I mean I know hip hop the way like any you know. any girl that grew up on top 40 knew hip hop, you know, in the 2000s, like it wasn't like, you know, I had any real knowledge of hip hop, like I liked it, but I didn't know I didn't know anything, but I found a way into the show. It's it was just six people playing all these characters and watching this one person, this one boy, this one man go on this journey to figuring out who he was, which at the end of the day, we can all connect to. And I was so, and then at the end, there's 15 minutes of freestyle rap battling that was completely improv and and like a real battle. And people were getting up and off the, out of their seats and, and they would hear Easter eggs and all of the the hip hop music and all of the like lyrics. And then everything was just like perfectly thought out and Mm -hmm. just like, there was so much meat. And I was like, I don't know what that Easter egg meant, but it means something to somebody. And I loved watching that. Like everyone's different eyes sort of click in and like, and they felt compelled, everyone felt compelled to, to say something or to do something. And then at the end, there's this, there the battle happened and Nuri who plays Jamal in the show, he was in the audience. This was back when we could drink wine in the theater and i like experience things together. But I was drinking a glass of wine and he drank my wine and then he like, he came in the audience, like drank my wine and like, and, and I was like, what is happening? And after that, I was like, this is crazy. This is incredible. I want to do something with this, but I had a serious imposter syndrome and I didn't ask. Um, and I sort of thought, oh, someone is going to take the show and like go with God with it. And like something big is going to happen. It's not for me. I don't have, you know. I don't have anything to offer the show. And then um, about six months later, I wrote Sangu Chikam, the writer and creator and who plays Gordon on Facebook. And I was like, hey, whatever happened to Sinking Ink? And he goes, everyone asks me this question, we should talk. And we ended up meeting for tea and having this like four hour conversation um, about what we liked about art, you know, what we about theater and what he wanted to do. And it turns out that, you know, there was a lot of interest, but a lot of people thought that their audiences wouldn't like it because it was hip hop, because it was different. And I said to him, like, if you can learn to trust me, or if we can like work, if we can like do a trial run of each other's like energies and see if we trust each other, like let's try to do something together. So we decided we were going to do, we actually did a bunch of like, I met with a lot with like fans of thinking because people would go like five, six times. So we did a couple different um, kind of meeting of the minds where I, 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 Sangu had me invite a bunch of people to like coffee shops and I would buy them all coffee and I'd talk to them about the show and I'd like listen to their experience so I could understand better like what it really meant to the, to the community and what it really meant to to people, and then we decided we were going to do a concert at Joe's Pub, and and that's kind of history. We did a, com- a a Joe's Pub concert in January 2019, and it sold out immediately. And it was pretty much what based after this past week. Before that was probably the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. Was watching people remembered all the lyrics to songs they hadn't heard in a year and a half. I was like, something crazy is happening here. There's like a an undercurrent groundswell of something that is beyond me and beyond all of us. So I was like, I'm just gonna get on the train
0: and mm. and and see what happens. So what I what I love about it is that it is a moment that is uncreatable, that's recreatable that one night, but yet the next night is a different moment that's also equally special, that's unrecreatable. And then the next night, and I gathered yeah. that from seeing it, it had, it has this wonderful, wonderful tie-in of a story, but also yep. keeping it real in the moment and having the audience participate. Like, you know, Putnam County Spelling Bee, Mystery of Edwin Drood. I know they're trying yeah. to do that with like Drag Race, kind of having a show that's a book, but also real and authentic and a different outcome potentially. But yet what this show does is it has those aspects of uncertainty and what's gonna happen, yet it always it lands. It lands really yeah. well. And I was saying to you after I watched it, I was like, I was emotional. That was like that was up totally up there in the quality of, yeah. of um, presentations that I had seen. So kudos for whatever that's worth coming from me.
1: No, that's uh, so wonderful. That is that is huge coming from you. Thank you. Of
0: course. I mean, I'm emotional all
1: the time. Like there's always the thing is, is it's a very simple story. It's the Jedi story. It's a it's it's the hip hop Hercules. It's, it's a young man who doesn't who wants to be an MC, who doesn't, who can't because of, you know, various, you know, uh, you know, because his his legacy is is in jeopardy because, you know, all of these things and he can't rhyme and he can't find his voice. And then, you know, all of the people come together to help him find it. And I think, and and not just all the people in the play but like the audience everyone comes together to help gordon find his voice and i think that that's what makes it special is like everybody plays a part in helping gordon win Hmm. um and i think that i'd like to think that we are continuing to dig into having the audience have more have agency not in an uncomfortable way but in a real like my energy and my sense of community in this room helps every helps Gordon on his journey, like pushes and pulls him and moves him in all of these different directions. And and the team is so incredible in continuing to like deepen that. Our director Woye tempo uh Deshla Osakalumi, our choreographer, we have, you know, I think we're putting together with with song who just you know, it's also like not that I don't it's just not that it's like I, you know, they do whatever I just I let I think if we create as producers, we create a room where people are able to like to do the thing they're supposed to do and not worry about anything outside of that mm-hmm. um, as much as they can be like it's the show business so like we can't like totally get rid of it but like as much as we can like you know den mother our shows <laughs> so that they feel like protected I, you know, I think that that's that feels like the right way to go now, you know,
0: and kudos, so. kudos for for, you know, being a theatrical producer and taking a look at a piece and working on a piece that's not fitting the usual box that is musical theater <laughs> or theater. So which I love. I just love I love that. Is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear in your field?
1: Yeah. In our field.
0: In our field. It's
1: our field. It's our field, Clay. I just want to remind you, you were also a producer. Um that's actually the piece of advice that I think is incorrect. That like to be a producer, you have to be producing a show or you have to be in a producing office. I think, or you, you know, you have to have a title that calls you producer. Hmm. I think we don't allow for people to have especially our generation we've all had to have like seven jobs Mm -hmm. in order to like we're many we're multi we're many hyphenates of people I think that piece of advice that like you have to like start in an office in order to be a producer is incorrect I think that I've reached the I've reached the age in in our business I think where I've become a bit of where I've 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 mentored and I'm like ah I'm old but then i remember that like mentors can be other people but i had someone come to me and say like i don't know what to do i don't work i like they were furloughed because they were in a producing office and then they were furloughed and they were like i'm not a producer anymore mm-hmm. that's not true i've been an assistant i've been like two i've been a family assistant i've been a, mm-hmm. a a a waitress i've been you know worked in a general management office but that didn't but it I worked as a business manager for an acting school like that, but at no point was I not a producer. Mm. And I think that's the worst advice to give someone is like, you're only a producer or you're only an actor or you're only this. If you're actively doing it in the conventional way, people can be so, you know, stuff can be two things. People are many things and it doesn't just, if you, if you have to take another job to, you know, continue to, put up that play or to keep auditioning or could keep doing that doesn't make you any less of the thing that you are. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's terrible advice to give anyone is that like, you have to have the traditional sense of the word in order to be actually
0: that thing. Mm. That's a really good answer. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, um, most gifted books or favorite books?
1: People would give us books. We need to be gifted more books.
0: I know. Um, <laughs> it's a thing I do with my siblings every holiday season. It's like three books each way. We each. Really? Yeah.
1: Can you guys adopt me?
0: Yeah, join um, us.
1: <laughs> we look mildly similar. We could be related.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: sure. Um, blonde hair, red hair, blue eyes. We could totally be related. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good books. Oh, this is Hmm. Um, which is terrible because I work on the Pan America Literary Awards and they're all books and I can't think of any titles. Um
0: You could send them after too. I mean, that's totally fine. No, no,
1: no. I'm gonna answer this. Okay. Um, you know what? my favorite? I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this. Um well normally I read like rena- like you know, Renaissance era era like crime dramas, like historical crime dramas. But there is a book that I've read, I think probably 10 times, um, Shantaram. Um, by, um, hold on, I'm going to get his name right, Shantaram, Gregory David Roberts. Um, and it's like a tome. It's like a thousand pages, but it's basically this story about a former, it's a tr- based on a true story. Um, it's about this like, convicted Australian bank robber and like former heroin addict that goes, flees to India in the 80s. And he basically learns what it's like to like live and love and survive in a culture and society that is not his own. Um, And it's deeply, you know, it's deeply spiritual. It's really long. So it takes, you know, it's one of those books that like you kind of feel like a badass carrying around because you're like, I'm reading this really long book. (laughs) Um, but I think I've read it, I think almost 10 times and I have the same copy. And I think there's something about his journey of being humbled that I find so beautiful because I think that we sometimes spend so much time in our, our bubble of New York and our bubble of, of, of what we do. And I think that book sometimes can be very grounding because it really does show the the beauty and ugliness of human nature and if i find it to be you know very humbling for my liberal new yorkness to be like there is there is both beauty and suffering outside of where where, where we are um, so i highly recommend that book also anything that's historical true crime drama i'm reading a i think it's i forget what it's called Basically, it's a monk who solves crimes in like the Elizabethan era. <laughs> so, two very different
0: things. Wow, that sounds like a musical. No, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> it's like if the Hunchback of Notre Dame was a detective. I'm not kidding. That'd be hilarious. I would watch that. It's like. If, if Sherlock Holmes and the Hunchback of Notre of Notre Dame like got together and like solved crimes and like Esmeralda was their pippy sidekick, I think that'd be hilarious.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I have you can we, edit that out. Have we? No, no, that's staying unless you want it out. It's staying. Um, no, no, no. I'm self self. We we talked on this a little bit earlier, but I just wanted to come back to it. And, and in case we haven't fully answered it. Self doubt. What is your self talk? when that cre- creeps in
1: oh uh, i think i'm both that's hard because it really does feel like we both create our own self-doubt and then we oh. try to self-talk ourselves out of it and that's like we're all just crazy people
0: well um, yeah i notice a lot most of it's self-inflicted
1: it's self-inflicted for, for Actually, sure all of it um <laughs> it's, it's self- all self-inflicted death. like Even ask my partner, like, I'm constantly being like, I'm crazy. I'm, I can't do this. Everything. What have I done with my life? I've made a giant mistake. No, um, self, self self-doubt, self-talk. I think I take things that, and also, you know, it's good to be in therapy, highly recommend it. Mm. Everyone should do it if they can, you know, if they can. And I know that that's a very privileged thing to be able to be in therapy and, um, but one of the things that I that that has, you know, one of the things that like having an hour with somebody that isn't directly related to you helps is like you can say all the all the things out loud. And I think that that's what, you know, I think I because I say that has taught me that like I can say negative things that I don't like out loud and like sort of argue with myself being like, no, you can own this. Hmm. You can. I think we're, we're hardwired sometimes to not own the things that we're proud of. Hmm. And I know that I do that where like somebody will compliment, will compliment or congratulate. And I'm always like, oh no, it was somebody else. Or like, or it was everybody was the whole team instead of being like, thank you. Hmm. So I think that the way I try to talk myself out of self-doubt is to be like, is to say, you know, is, is to say, you know, you, you, you can own this. You can, you can own the compliment. You can, you know, you can continue to to move forward. And I think that trying to sit with things that you've accomplished and know that like, it's okay to be proud of yourself. I think that's it's hard to do, but I think that's one of the things I try to be like, you know, you can you can be thrilled about the things that you've accomplished with people. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to be it's okay to be happy and it's okay to like mm-hmm. to be proud. I think that you know, we we sometimes think that we're not allowed to be and I I'm the biggest, you know, culprit of that of of like not of like accomplishing something and then like immediately moving on to the next thing and not sitting with the thing that you've been, you should be proud of. Hmm. And I think that like, I, I'm trying to do that more to like sit, sit in, even if it's for five minutes, like sit in the, sit in the accomplishment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I find myself having to say that more often than not, you know, just being like I'm worthy. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. I'm allowed to be proud, have pride, be proud, you know, proud of what I'm working on.
1: Yes. Then it's it's the, it's the suffering Olympics. It's like, but in a different way where it's like, well, I didn't accomplish what that person accomplished by the time they were that age. And it's like, Oh, for the love of God, what how exhausting is your brain? Like, I think that trying, not like beating myself up, but being like this kind of self talk is not actually going to make anything better. Mm. Like,
0: metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Mm.
1: actually the line and i'm trying not to be super tried about this but it's truly this is how much thinking ink has like lived in my bones for so long but it's it's the haiku you never know what happens till you start rapping Mm. you know you never you never know what happens until you until you try i think that that's 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 the one you
0: know yeah you have to try
1: You have to try and like also just like be nice. (laughs) Just be nice. Just be nice. It's free. It's free. We can all, it's a currency. It's a, it's a global currency.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No exchange rates. It's all the same. Um, This has been so great. Thank you so much for taking the time, Victoria.
1: Oh my gosh, Clay. This has been so much fun.
0: Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up here?
1: I think it's 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 I think the last thing I want to say is that like again it's like a miracle we do anything ever <laughs> especially after the like last two years so I want to I want to say to you that like you continuing to do this podcast because I definitely listened to something while I was oh, look while I was waiting to for my 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 podcast mm-hmm. but the fact that like you're taking the time to talk to people about kindness and work and all of that like It could You could so easily not do this because it's so easy to just not do things, but I think it's amazing that you are choosing to do this. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. And thank you for being a part of it because it's really each conversation that makes it whole. So thanks for being a piece. Thank you. People of the world, Victoria Weinberg. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.